0: It's 8 o'clock.
1: Good morning. This is Northern Light for Thursday, February 15th. I'm Monica Sandresky.
0: And I'm Todd Boone.
1: Officials in Saranac Lake are calling an emergency meeting today over a monster truck with an image of the Confederate flag that drove in the winter carnival
2: parade. To have this come up during Black History Month really is particularly like, come on, there just has to be more thought around our actions. There has to be more accountability.
0: Also, we've got follow-up story today on how Plattsburgh police, hospital staff, and family members foiled a
3: potential mass shooting at CVPH earlier this week. It's still an active investigation and could potentially be some more charges coming forward. More details just ahead.
1: And while we'll check out beads, dyed fiber, and bent metal of the artist currently on display at Tawny in Canton, Virginia Burnett grew up watching her grandmother's embroider and crochet.
4: The bead box was magical. <laughs> <laughs> and I also have always had a love for color. I needed the biggest set of crayons you could get, right? Um, the 24-pack was never, ever enough.
1: All of that's coming up on Northern Light. Stick with us.
0: Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by Gray and Gray and Associates CPAs, and accounting and financial services firm in northern New York, with offices in Canton, Potsdam, and Spring Hill, Florida, graycpas.com, and by com and adirondackalmanac.com presenting daily updated news on public policy, environmental issues, and local communities in the Adirondack Park.
1: This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandreski.
0: And I'm Todd Moe. There's an emergency meeting today about a controversial incident at the Saranac Lake Winter Carnival Parade last Saturday. A local business owner paraded his truck with a Confederate flag on it. As Emily Russell reports, the incident is raising questions over free speech and hate symbols.
5: The Winter Carnival Parade is the biggest event of the year in Saranac Lake. Thousands of people line the streets downtown. There are elaborate floats and fun dance performances by groups like the Canoodlers and the Lawn Chair Ladies. Last Saturday, as part of the parade, a monster truck drove down Main Street. It was decked out in red, white, and blue. Many people flocked down, loved it. That's Tom Dupree. He was driving the monster truck. There were some people booing, but Dupree says he didn't see or hear any of
3: that. Kids, happy, grown ups laughing. Everyone was good. There was nothing ever brought off about this hood.
5: The sides of Dupree's truck had the stars and stripes of the American flag. But on the hood, those stars and stripes formed the Confederate flag, a flag originally used by the rebels who fought to preserve slavery during the Civil War. Today, the Confederate flag is widely seen as a hate symbol. But Dupree doesn't think of it that way.
3: Everything's got a different meaning. None of us were there at the time, you know, and who made it hate? That's the biggest thing. Who did it? And why? And why did it become a symbol of?
5: A symbol of hate, of oppression, of racism. Tiffany Ray Fisher, who leads the Adirondack Diversity Initiative, says the Confederate flag is not a nuanced symbol.
2: It started as the battle flag for Virginia when Virginia was fighting for slaves to stay slaves.
5: After the parade, Ray Fisher says the Adirondack Diversity Initiative was flooded with emails and Facebook comments, people saying the Confederate flag does not reflect the values of Saranac Lake. Ray Fisher says it's an especially frustrating time to see the flag being paraded so publicly. To have
2: this come up during Black History Month really is particularly like, come on, there just has to be more thought around our actions. There has
5: to be more accountability. The Winter Carnival Parade is widely seen as apolitical. The parade guidelines say organizers reserve the right to refuse entries they consider inappropriate or offensive. That actually played out this year, though with a different group in the parade that had signs protesting the war between Israel and Hamas. According to the Adirondack Daily Enterprise, the parade organizer confronted that group after the parade. He said they crossed a line and wouldn't be allowed to march in the future if they had similar political signs. Ken Hitch is an Episcopal reverend from Lake Placid. He marched with that group and stands behind their messaging. What we were hoping to achieve was to raise awareness around the humanitarian crisis that's happening there with uh, thousands of innocent civilians, women and children being killed in Gaza. Meanwhile, the truck with the Confederate flag was approved to be part of the parade. The owner, Tom Dupree, says he sent photos of this truck to organizers ahead of the parade, and he says he got no pushback. NCPR reached out to the Winter Carnival Committee and the parade organizer but haven't heard back. Dupree says he plans to remove the Confederate flag from his truck.
0: That hood is going to be no longer. This truck was never meant to be on a hate. level and it was designed to be on the fun level so i plan on
6: uh, getting together and uh, doing a different rap maybe on the whole truck
5: some people in the village came to dupree's defense writing on facebook but they didn't see anything wrong with the confederate flag it's a symbol that appears all around the north country along with other symbols associated with hate and racism Despite this incident, Tiffany Ray Fisher from the Adirondack Diversity Initiative says overall she's hopeful. She says there are ongoing efforts to celebrate Black heritage in the region.
2: I feel very proud to be a Black person, not only in our state, but specifically in the Adirondacks, because of the efforts that are being done. And they're, again, community efforts being done to say, like, we care about this history. This is our history. And to be embraced and held by your community that way when that historically has not always been the case, it feels good, it's important, and it's necessary to do so.
5: The Saranac Lake Winter Carnival Committee is hosting an emergency meeting today to talk about the controversies from Saturday's parade. Emily Russell, North Country Public Radio, Saranac Lake.
1: details are emerging about how police in Plattsburgh foiled a potential mass shooting at the hospital Tuesday. As Kara Chapman reports, it all came down to quick
7: actions by a family member and law enforcement. According to court documents, 52-year-old Robert Thibodeau of Plattsburgh called his older brother at about 8.30 a.m. Tuesday. His brother told police that Thibodeau sounded upset and had been fired from Champlain Valley Physicians Hospital that morning. The brother said during one of their calls, Thibodeau threatened upper management at CVPH. The brother said it also sounded on the phone like he was loading a gun. The brother said he drove to Thibodeau's Plattsburgh home and used his truck to block Thibodeau's Ford F-150. He said Thibodeau was able to get around him, which is when he saw the barrel of a gun and called 911. Plattsburgh Police Chief Peter Mitchell commended Thibodeau's brother for making the call. He's,
3: he's certainly the hero in all this, um, so the community should be thankful to him without a doubt.
7: Thibodeau's home is less than 10 minutes from CBPH. His brother gave state police dispatchers a description of Thibodeau's truck, which went out to local agencies. Two Plattsburgh police officers spotted Thibodeau turning onto Prospect Avenue toward the hospital and started tailing him. Officers say he ignored their emergency lights, but stopped at a red light. Police ordered Thibodeau to get out of his truck. He allegedly refused, and officers say they opened both of Thibodeau's front doors at the same time. Police say Thibodeau reached for his gun, a loaded 12 gauge semi automatic shotgun, and they removed both the firearm and him from the truck. They say they also found two 10 round magazines and extra ammunition in the truck. Thibodeau was charged with second degree criminal possession of a loaded firearm, a felony. Officers took Thibodeau into custody just blocks away from the hospital. Mitchell credits officers' training and the relationships between Plattsburgh Police and other agencies for helping to prevent a tragic outcome at CVPH. The,
3: the North Country really is what you think it is. Um, everybody's here to help each other and to, to, to make it a safe place, for sure. I can't say enough to the, the other agencies that, that were there to help.
7: CVPH didn't go into lockdown Tuesday morning. President Michelle Lebeau has said that's because they learned about the alleged threat as police were arresting Thibodeau. She said CVPH had a phone system failure that made communicating with Plattsburgh police difficult. Mitchell says his officers still work to block off the hospital's other entrances, and one went there to notify the emergency department.
3: We're gonna, I mean, we'll certainly sit down and have a planning discussion on um, what happened and what didn't happen, um, things that, things that didn't, didn't go as smooth to try to correct those issues if they come up again.
7: Thibodeau's brother told police that he knew his brother had more guns and that the two of them do long-range shooting as a hobby. Police executed search warrants of Thibodeau's home and vehicle. Mitchell didn't say what they found, only that numerous weapons were recovered.
3: It's still an active investigation and could potentially be some more charges coming forward.
7: Mitchell says police contacted the county's mental health department about connecting Thibodeau with services while he's in custody.
3: So we want to make sure that he gets some help in there and he's not just, just left there alone.
7: The chief says while the incident centered around the hospital, it could have targeted anywhere: the mall, the supermarket, a school. You
3: know, the, the heightened awareness is good for you know just people to know to be aware of your your surroundings whenever you're out and around. You know, be aware, and if you see something, then you know say something. That's the it, was, it worked in this in this case.
7: Thibodeau remains in custody at the Clinton County Jail on two hundred fifty thousand dollars cash bail. He's scheduled to appear in court this morning and next week. Kara Chapman, North Country Public Radio, Plattsburgh.
0: You're listening to Northern Lights here on North Country Public Radio. It's 11 minutes past 8. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe.
1: And I'm Monica Sandreski. Just ahead, the beadwork and fiber art of St. Lawrence County artist Virginia Burnett. That conversation in just a few minutes here on Northern Lights.
0: Music by Saranac Project out of Saranac Lake. Broadcast of Northern Light is supported by Cronin's Golf Resort, a regional destination for golf, dining, and lodging in the Southern Adirondacks. Details at Cronin'sGolfResort.com.
1: The North Country's two Republican congresswomen supported their party's successful yet narrow impeachment of President Biden's Secretary of Homeland Security Tuesday. House Republicans brought impeachment charges against Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas over the Biden administration's handling of the U.S.-Mexico border. Illegal crossings there have reached record levels during his term.
0: Republicans initially failed to impeach Mayorkas last week. This week's vote went through with 214 votes to 230. 13. Congresswoman Elise Stefanik said the impeachment should send a message to the Biden administration. She said, quote, it's time to do your constitutional duty and secure our nation's borders, unquote. Congresswoman Claudia Tenney framed it as a crucial step forward for the country. President Biden called the impeachment, quote, a blatant act of unconstitutional, uh, unconstitutional partisanship. Mayorkas is the first cabinet secretary to be impeached in almost 150 years.
1: Big ships will return to the St. Lawrence River starting March 22nd this spring. The St. Lawrence Seaway Development Corporation announced the opening of the shipping season Tuesday. The seaway shuts down its locks in Messina, Montreal, and the Welland Canal every winter for regular maintenance and because ice often covers Lake Ontario and the St. Lawrence River. This winter, the seaway had its latest scheduled closing date in its history on January 5th. The St. Lawrence Seaway will celebrate its 65th anniversary this year.
0: New York spends billions of dollars on tax breaks each year that are designed to attract businesses. But as WNYC's John Campbell reports, a new state-funded report questions whether taxpayers are getting a good bang for their buck.
3: The new report from outside consultant PFM examines each of the state's major tax incentive programs. And it found some of them might actually be doing more harm than good, like the state's $700 million a year tax credit for TV and movies. Elizabeth Marcello is a policy fellow for government reform group Reinvent Albany.
8: Now is the time to quit masing, wasting taxpayer dollars on these uses subsidies and set, invest in a better New York for all.
3: Governor Hochul's office says she's reviewing the report. A spokesperson says the state's business tax incentives play a big role in growing the economy. In Albany, I'm John Campbell for the New York Public News Network.
1: Last week, the EPA finalized stronger air quality standards for the U.S. by setting a new limit on soot. An an Adirondack Green group says it will have big impacts on health and the environment in our region. Amy Feierheisel reports.
8: Soot, the common name for air particle pollution, is microscopic, basically invisible to the naked eye.
6: We're talking about particles that are as small as 25 Uh, microns, which is a small fraction of the width of a human hair.
8: That's John Sheehan with the Adirondack Council. The environmental group advocates for improved air quality standards.
6: And the problem with uh, public health is that once you inhale these, they're too small to cough back out. Uh, They get stuck in the lungs, get into the blood system.
4: Soot
8: is one of the country's most widespread air pollutants, created by burning coal and gasoline and other fossil fuels, and it makes people sick, causes lung ailments and heart disease. Environmental advocates have been pushing for tighter restrictions on soot for years, and last week was a win for them. The EPA finalized a rule under the Clean Air Act that reduces the allowed amount of soot in the air by 25%. States will have to ensure that industry complies with the new standard by 2032. Oil and gas companies have lobbied against the rule, saying it will leave no room for new development. The EPA pushed back hard, releasing a study that says that every dollar spent on compliance will result in $77 saved in human health benefits. Sheehan says that means saving real lives.
6: Uh, By 2032, when this is fully implemented, we should see... 4,500 lives saved per year, Uh, people who will not die prematurely as a result of being exposed to pollution that they can't handle.
8: Sheehan says the vast majority of those saved lives will be in the Northeast because of the way weather patterns blow pollution here from factories and coal power plants in the Midwest.
6: We're kind of at the end of an atmospheric tailpipe that comes out of the Midwest. So as a result, we get a bigger payload of pollution from other states than most any place else in the country.
8: So less soot will also have positive environmental impacts in the Adirondacks and North Country. However, there will likely be court challenges to the new rule, and environmental groups fear it might be revoked if Donald Trump is reelected. He declined to tighten soot standards while he was president. Amy Feierheisel, North Country Public Radio.
0: to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Moe.
1: And I'm Monica Sandreski. In just a minute, an artist addicted to bright colors and beads. Then stick around after the show for Bird Note. We'll meet a longtime member of the Nature Conservancy of Hawaii who's hoping to encounter critically endangered native birds. That's just ahead at 842. But first, Todd has a look at the weather for
0: us. Blue sky and sunshine in Canton right now and in other parts of our region, but there is snow moving into the North Country. Tree this afternoon, tonight, and into tomorrow as well, a winter storm warning is in effect from 3 this afternoon to 10 o'clock tomorrow morning with some heavy snow expected. This is along eastern Lake Ontario. Communities like Lowville, Boonville, Watertown... Uh, uh, Fort Drum, the Thousand Islands, the Tug Hill Plateau could see some moderate to heavy snow uh, continuing this afternoon, overnight, and into tomorrow. So, tomorrow morning's commute may be treacherous. And uh, elsewhere, a winter weather advisory, in effect, this afternoon through tomorrow afternoon, 1 o'clock, with as much as half a foot of snow. This is for all of the North Country and into Vermont as well. So, i planning some slippery roads. Uh, During the Friday morning commute, that's according to the National Weather Service, some of the heaviest snowfall rates will be tonight, overnight and into early Friday morning. And uh, as I said a moment ago, sunshine, nine degrees in Canton right now.
1: A new exhibit at Tawny in Canton showcases Winthrop artist Virginia Burnett's love for color, beadwork, and fiber art. She's the spotlight artist at Tawny this season, and for nearly 30 years, she's been drawn to bright colors and things that sparkle.
0: Virginia Burnett grew up in Norwood in St. Lawrence County and says she's always loved playing with color. She wanted to be a writer and studied anthropology at SUNY Potsdam before discovering a love for fiber art. Inspired by her grandmothers, Burnett began embroidering fabrics which led to dyeing with natural colors, then beading and tiny seed stitch embroidery. A new exhibit at Tawny in Canton explores her addictions to tiny glass beads, dyed fabric and cheerful colors.
4: I'm Virginia Burnett. Todd and I are here at Tawny um, in the Spotlight Gallery, and we have an exhibit of my work. Um, I don't think we have a special name for the exhibit; it's just Virginia Burnett's.
0: Yeah. Work. So where does this all come from? Where? What was? You know, <laughs> when did you start dyeing fabric and bending metal and all those sort of things?
4: Well, when I was really small, both of my grandmothers were fiber artists. My my mom's mom used to knit and crochet all kinds of very strange things um, and my dad's mom did a lot of embroidery so I had a very early exposure to fiber arts um, and the bead boxes you know you, the bead box was magical <laughs> um, and I also have always had a love for color. I needed the biggest set of crayons you could get, right? Um, the twenty-four pack was never ever enough. Um,
0: you needed the fifty-six or whatever that's, that was, <laughs> <that's> right?
4: <laughs> um, so I've always, you know, I've always had a feel for textiles and for colors.
0: One of the first things folks are going to see when they walk into the exhibit here is your. Your, uh, some of your scarves yep. uh, that have been hand-dyed. And you have a little uh, display here on ice dyeing. What is, what is ice dyeing?
4: So with ice dyeing, you take your fabric um, and you prep it in a soda ash solution. And you place it on a draining tray, cover it with ice, and then sprinkle the dye powders over the ice. And as the ice melts, the dye powders kind of flow down into the fabric. And as they're flowing down, um, they kind of break up into their, their different color particles. Elements
0: and
3: things.
4: Yes. There. So you end up with, like, really amazing, amazing patterns. There, it's very organic. Um, it's uncontrollable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's, it's kind of magical.
0: Are these ice-dyed? This yes, here? those yeah. are ice-dyed. Oh, and,
4: like... for instance, this piece up here,
0: uh-huh.
4: um, that's a piece of silk charmeuse that I ice-dyed with a black dye.
0: Really? Yes, and you got all those colors. All that those came, colors yeah.
4: came out of that black.
0: Wow, that's amazing. So that <laughs> sort of so shows you what's what's hiding in the in the black dye. Yeah. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, color theory is fascinating.
0: Yeah, you are an extraordinary. You love to embroider, as you mentioned, yes. and the beadwork, and that comes through in your, in your yeah. jewelry pieces here. Can we come over and talk about this award-winning piece yes. that you have here? Because it, it's really kind of the one of the centerpieces of the show. Yes. It's called Garden Companion. and I'll let you kind of talk about it because it's. there'll be a photo of it on the NCBR website, but it's, it's just really amazing.
4: This is a piece that I worked on um, when we were in lockdown during the pandemic. Um, I spent a lot of time in front of the TV, and I can't just sit in front of the TV and not do something with my hands. Um, and I was looking to do something that was whimsical um, and happy. And so I, I had this little iguana, this little plastic iguana, and I just started building a garden around him. Um, and it, I use um, toho uh, seed beads from Japan and check glass pressed beads. The colors are really bright and happy. Um, it was a challenge to f- figure out how to make the piece kind of scoop um it actually is made of three separate embroidered pieces that are um linked together
0: yeah it definitely it's a 3d piece with a, with a little iguana there but yes. even also your embroidery your beadwork is is very much 3d too which is really cool
4: yeah yeah i wanted it to be lush um mm-hmm. so i have all these little um Czech glass flower beads that are kind of standing out from the surface of the piece.
0: And uh, tell us, it got first place in Interweave?
4: Yes, Um, Interweave, um, which is a subsidiary of Gold Peak Media, and they produce a lot of um, fiber arts and jewelry um, publications. Um, They have an annual competition, and this piece won last year's um, bead embroidery category. Um, so I got to go to Philadelphia and hang out with some other beaders and show off my piece and spend a lot of money on more <laughs> beads. <laughs> oh,
0: so you're kind of a, um, a bead hoarder, too, maybe, or at least a bead collector. Is that a kinder way of saying it?
4: <laughs> oh, you uh. can say hoarder. <laughs> okay. I have... I have a wall that is full of little bead canisters, uh-huh. and then I have two cupboards that are full of, um, like, those boxes that you use for hardware. Uh-huh. Um, they're all full of beads, uh-huh. and they're stacked up to the ceiling. Yes.
0: yes. Do you? Is there sort of a um, theme or message, or is there something that when people walk through this, Virginia, that you're kind of hoping people... Something comes to mind for them as they, as they look as they sort of browse through the art here
4: I hope that my work helps people feel cheerful and energized um, I've actually been working on my my business mission statement, which is so alien to artists uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yes I, I want my work to, to reflect a, a feeling of joy and beauty and and happiness.
0: Where does the name Goblin's Market come from? <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, um, when I opened my second Etsy shop, which was supposed to be mainly selling supplies, I was looking for a name for the for the shop, um, and my daughter was reading Goblin Market by Christina Rossetti at the uh. time, and. We were talking about the book and, and kind of the themes of the book, the poem. And I said, wait a minute, that's my addiction. <laughs> <laughs> Beads and colors. So, so the name Goblin's Market became my shop name.
0: Thank you so much.
4: You're very welcome. Thank you.
0: Virginia Burnett's bead work. Jewelry embroidery and dyed fabrics and garments are on display at traditional arts in upstate New York, tawny through the end of March yes goblin's market is the name of her art studio in Winthrop in St Lawrence County. Her work is extraordinary, tiny tiny embroidery seed uh, seed stitch embroidery she calls it. You need to check it out it's the spotlight gallery at. Tawny and Canton through the end of March. And by the way, Monica, when you're at Tawny, especially Saturday, there's a fabulous quilt exhibit opening Ooh. on the second floor of Tawny. When I was there yesterday chatting with Virginia, I got a sneak peek beautiful, beautiful quilts that will be on display. There's a a reception at 11 a.m. Saturday morning for that quilt exhibit as well. So two great reasons to go to Tawny this weekend. Check out the uh, Virginia Burnett's art and and the quilts.
1: That's fabulous. That's fabulous. I do really appreciate quilts and quilters. So much to enjoy in the North Country, too, coming up this weekend. At Lake Flower Landing in Saranac Lake, Ampersand presents Midwinter, the six world class vocalists of the chamber ensemble ampersand celebrate the stark beauty of midwinter with poetry and music renaissance polyphony by talus Bird and Laces, later music by Perry and, and uh, Plunk and more. All are welcome. You can find out more at weareampersand.net. That's coming up this Friday evening from 730 to 845 at Lake Flower Landing in Saranac Lake.
0: If you love jazz, stop by historic Pickens Hall in Huvalton tonight to check out, for all we know, this jazz quartet. They're going to be playing, it's gonna be sort of a nightclub cafe setting with tables and dancing, refreshments, dancing yeah get up and dance. It's at Pickens Hall tonight seven to nine. For all we know a jazz quartet they'll be playing some traditional jazz, some bebop, some contemporary jazz, blues, Latin. It'll be a lot of fun.
1: Dancing and refreshments. Yeah. That's my kind of place. <laughs> That's it for the show for the day. Morning edition does co- uh, continue
0: in just a minute. Then
1: after that, it's the Marketplace Morning Report coming up between 8.51 and 9 o'clock. I'm Monica Sandreski.
0: I'm Todd. Miller, well, thanks for joining us. Be well.